Well, Philippians chapter number uh, four is going to be our text. Let's stand together. We're going to get right to it here. Um, and I'd like to read verse 27 of chapter one. So we're going to take a little bit of a run at it here as we get into our text tonight. <clears throat> okay, verse uh, 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That, that is a key verse in the book of Philippians. It really is. All right. Um, because, um, Really, the idea of that really runs through what we're going to read tonight. Now, let me ask you to turn chapter 3. Chapter 3, as we get reconnected here to our text. Brethren, um, in verse 13, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then here's what we considered last time. Let us, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. We, we've got to have this mindset. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. How many of you could attest to that? That when I haven't been thinking right, God sure has a way of letting me know that. That's what he's saying. Okay. When I haven't had this mind, nevertheless, <clears throat> verse 16, where to we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Verse 20, for our conversation, our citizen, literally, literally, I'm sorry, our citizenship is not in heaven. I'm sorry, let me start all over and just read the Bible, okay? Or try this. For our conversation is in heaven. Somebody say amen right there. All right, our conversation is in heaven. I don't know where yours is, but mine's in heaven. Yours is in heaven. You're saved. It's in heaven. Done. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. How about this, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Heard somebody say even just last night in preaching that when things are out of control, that only means they're out of my control. That doesn't mean they're out of God's control. It's good. That was a good thought. All right, that brings us now to our text in verse number one of chapter four. Therefore, I want to do a little bit of reading. It says, therefore, so it's connected. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, 
and long for my joy and crown. You think he loves them? It's evident. Notice what he says. And really this ties everything we've considered in the book of Philippians together. Now we've got a lot more to go, but, but right here it really does culminate. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech, Iodius, and I and beseech, he says it twice, I beseech, Iodius, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of what? Same mind. Same mind in the Lord. Now, if you've been paying attention to the reading, not getting distracted even by my comments or wrong comments along the way, then you would have noticed stand fast and be of one mind. That's been like a twin theme through the book. And you would be right in that assessment. Verse three. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with, with Clement also, and with other, my fellow laborers, whose names, and he's including all of them, including Euodius and Syntyche, whose names are in the book of life. They're saved. So I've entitled the message simply this, just, just um, three words, two words with a conjunction, steadfast and unified. Steadfast and unified. If we're going to stand together before the Lord, we ought to be able to sit together in the pew. Amen. If we're going to stand together before the Lord, and someday we will, if you're saved, you'll stand together. You'll stand together before the Lord. Well, we ought to be able to sit together in the pews. So may God bless the reading of his word. As you're seated, we're going to get right to it here tonight. <clears throat> Appreciate Brother Trevin making good use of um, eight to ten minutes. Um, I'm going to take a little bit more than that. <clears throat> Maybe uh, you'd agree with this. Just because a person's name is in the book of life doesn't mean they're on the top of your list. Unless it's the list of people you want to avoid. It is possible that people that were once pulling together have started pulling apart. Is that true? People that were once pulling together are now pulling or drifting or maybe there's been a big rift and they are apart. One individual said this, it is inconsistent for two Christians to be at variance when they are in Christ. It's inconsistent that two Christians would be at variance, at odds with one another when both of them are in Christ. Another said, standing firm in the Lord precedes relating well in the family. Standing firm in the Lord is going to precede us standing well, being in good standing within the family. Now, in this section, I, I was just amazed to study and to see that really Paul just, I believe, has really built uh, to this climactic section of Philippians, although all of it is so rich, and I trust that you two have enjoyed the study, uh, but really he does in one focal point bring the two prominent themes. In fact, I read it even as a twin emphasis that he would have. Um, 
uh, of steadfastness and unity, those twin themes that have really run through the book of Philippians. I realize the, the theme of joy certainly is there, Christ, uh, being Christ-centered, somebody can make a case for that. But if you've really paid attention to the series and you've seen him say, be steadfast for the sake of the gospel in the face of opposition, okay? You've also heard him say over and over from different angles, sometimes subtly, sometimes just very directly, sometimes right here, even naming names, be of one mind, be unified, have unity, be united. These twin themes uh, today, the Hainlines, Brother Chad mentioned that he's going to be in a little bit later today, our missions intern, because they were going to go and see how the twins are coming along. They're twins. I just had had uh, twins, and they're both developing quite well. Praise God for that. Well, here we have two twin themes tonight of steadfastness and unity. I wonder how they're developing at Southwest Baptist Church. I'm not trying to stretch that. I'm just trying to say we really do need to pay attention to that because our very existence and our very well-being as a church depends on our steadfastness and our unity as a church family. So I want to look at that and, and invite you to come along as we just review here just a little bit from chapter number three, because he does say therefore. So we've got to see what it's there for and coming into chapter number four to get the flow of thought. And what he's really tried to emphasize here is that, listen, with all that's going on around you, I mean, the opposition from without, but then also chapter three, because of those that are even from within trying to cause some disunity among your ranks, you know, the Judaizers that were there that were, that were trying to uh, persuade them to follow them. And Paul says, listen, you need to be aware of them because they're trying to lead you down a dead end street. And Paul has said, listen, I've been down that road and I know that it's a, it's a dead end. And so I'm forgetting those things which are behind and I'm pressing forward to those things which are before. And he says, it's not like I've arrived yet, but I still want to keep striving towards that. And so he's saying, I want to encourage you to do the same, to be like mine. In other words, he's saying, listen, Make it your goal in life to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your, as your, not just Savior, but also as your friend to develop a relationship with Him and thus to grow in the Lord and become a mature Christian. That's, what, that's the thing that we really tried to emphasize last week was Christian maturity. And one way that you become mature in Christ is you get around some other people that are mature in Christ. If you get around some mature Christians, then you are more likely to become mature. If you get around some immature Christians, immature Christians, you're likely to be immature. So take your pick of your friends. You've got to be very careful with who's influencing your life. And so Paul says, everybody ought to have this same goal, that we ought to be growing in Christ. And if, if a man is not minded this way, then I'll tell you, God will show him that he's out of, he's out of step with him. And so then he says this, that, that uh, you have us for an example, an example. So follow those that are trying to follow Christ. Here's what you ought to do. Keep your eyes on people who are keeping their eyes on Christ. If you'll keep your eyes on people that are keeping your eyes on Christ, your life will go in the right direction. And you'll grow, you'll mature. But if you get your eyes on people that are earthbound, earthbound Christians, I'm not trying to re-preach the message, but I'm just trying to say that, that there was a problem. Paul was saying, now these, he said, they're bound for destruction. So evidently these must've been some that were, were among them, but it was revealed later that they weren't really among us, like what John would say in first John chapter number two and so forth. But, but there would even be application that we can make that one of their problems was this. They were very earthly minded. 
They were earthly minded. That's what he said. Their, their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. And then he just very plainly says, they are minded on this earth when really as believers, our citizenship is in heaven. And thus we are just temporarily abiding right here. All right. So our citizenship in heaven ought to be determining how that we live. But listen, friend, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you and remind you tonight as we get further into this of this important truth that there's a danger that every one of us could become earthbound Christians. That because of all the pools on this earth and all the responsibilities that we have, even good responsibilities, you can really start thinking of yourself more on in terms of earthly terms, then I'm a citizen of heaven and I'm only here for a short time. There's a danger right there. And there are even versions of Christianity that cater to that. We're hearing a lot about it in our study of the book of Jude. I realize maybe not everybody's in that study, but in the book of Jude, you, he had then, we have now people that'll say things like this, just speak your wealth into existence. I heard it yesterday, uh, uh, preacher mentioning that we, there are those that are in that prosperity gospel treat God like a slot machine. I'm here to get my blessing. Give me my blessing. Let, let, don't worry about me not tithing. Don't worry about me not really living for God. Just give me my blessing. That's a self-centered version of Christianity. And Paul says, be mindful, be aware of those. All right. Um, Brother Tony Evans, that was a good message, actually. That's where that was from. He also said this, and then we'll move on. Everybody all right? He said when he travels, he's, he, you know, he's in a hotel, and he lives basically out of his suitcase. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because that's not his home. The Hampton Inn is not his home. It's just a temporary abode. I go, uh, I go to preach a meeting maybe, and I'm going to stay in a hotel. I'm getting ready to go uh, first part of February to preach uh, for Brother David Pugh. Uh, Miss Evie there in uh, Bridgeport, Texas, going to be there with them. I'll, I don't know exactly where I'm going to stay, but I do like if I'm, if I'm going to be there for four days or so, I'll, I'll get out of the suitcase as best I can. I like to hang my suits up. I've got a routine that I do. I kind of get, I, I get moved in for just a little while. I'll, I'll make use of uh, you know, whatever drawers are there, and, and, um, and I'll make a little office set up here, and then I'll get a little place set up in the room for my devotions. But I'll tell you what I'm thinking. I'm going home on Wednesday. I'm going home on Thursday. I'm going home. This is not, this is not where I'm going to stay forever. And so as a result of that, watch this. I don't redecorate Hampton Inn's room. I don't paint. I don't take a wall out. I don't, I don't change the color scheme. I realize this. I'm only here for a little while. Why make such a big investment right here? Do you understand the analogy? Hey, listen, we're only here for a little while. We need to let the thoughts of home, I'm talking about our eternal home, help us right here. Now, hey, make the most of it. Make the most of it. We're here for a while. Let's make the most of it. But let's remember, this is not our eternal home. We're headed towards our eternal home. And let our eternal home help us make decisions right here and now. Therefore. Therefore, chapter four, therefore, because we have a citizenship in heaven, because we are, listen, hang on, wait a minute. We get mixed up right here. We are made to live for eternity, not just for right now. And we better make these decisions right now in light of the fact that we're headed for eternity. And if we get the two mixed up, we're mixed up as Christians. We're earthbound. 
Paul says, let me, let me talk to you here. Since this is true, since your citizenship is in heaven, since all these other things are true, therefore, my dearly beloved, please look at the love that is coming from the apostle Paul as he begins to exhort them in verse number one of chapter four. Therefore, my beloved, uh, hang on, wait a minute. My brethren, dearly beloved. I, I mean to tell you, that's one of the deepest ways that he could tell them, I, I care about what's going on with you. And long for, I mean, he wanted to see them. Uh, John Phillips did a good job of kind of creating the scene that he could, he could see that Paul knew where everybody sat in church in Philippi. I know where you all sit. I can look around when I was home, you know, um, sick for that little bit of time. I, I, was, I was watching from the live stream and I said, oh, I know who's going to be sitting over here. And, and some of you changed spots, threw me totally off. <laughs> I imagine Paul, though, having been at Philippi, he could say, okay, I know they're going to sit here. I, I can imagine, like John Phillips said, that, that here's the Philippian jailer who's going to come up and give him a big old bear hug. It's been a while since they've seen him. Can you imagine that? Come on, you got to use your imagination a little bit. Philippian jailer gives him a big old hug and reintroduces him to his wife and his kids who are now grown, who have little kids of their own, but they're still in the church being steadfast. And then he walks over here on this other side of the auditorium and he shakes hands gently with Lydia, who was the first convert, the first person saved in Philippi. And maybe his mind goes back and flooded with some memories where they started the church in her home. I'm telling you, these were dear people to his heart. And so he says, my beloved, my dearly beloved, my brethren, brethren, dearly beloved. I'm having a hard time reading the Bible tonight. Okay, just bear with me here. Brethren. Dearly beloved and long for, and then notice what he says, my joy and crown. You know what he's saying? Yes, they're his joy right here, but I believe the idea is this flowing out of chapter number three and into chapter number four, he's not just thinking about the right here and the right now. He's thinking about this someday. Someday we'll stand before the Lord and you're my joy there and you're my crown there. He wasn't saying it selfishly, but he was saying you're my victor's crown. In other words, I'm thankful that God let me cross paths with you and that you trusted Jesus as your savior and we'll spend eternity in heaven together. Amen. Therefore, he says, be steadfast. Be steadfast. Uh, in the latter part of verse number uh, one, he says, stand fast in the Lord. I'm telling you, if you're gonna, if you're gonna stand fast, stand firm in this wicked day, then you've gotta have the Lord's help. Stand fast in the Lord, he says. And then he says it again, my dearly beloved. I mean, it's almost awkward. Dearly beloved, dearly beloved. I mean, it, it's obvious that he's really caring about them. Let me ask you this here before you move on or we move on to our, the next verses here. Do you feel that way about your church family? Brethren, my dearly beloved, my dearly beloved, can't wait to see you. You, look, you know, I mean, I, I think that's how we ought to feel about it. I'll tell you what to help you feel that way. Just miss church for a little while because you can't be here. And you think, oh man, I can't wait to get back to church. I got a letter this week our family did from a dear... <laughs> Dear sweet lady of this church, who said, I can no longer come on the nights because of my driving inability, you know, not able to drive at nights, but I'm going to be watching my live stream. But she said, it's not quite the same. Uh, church, let me encourage you here tonight. Don't take for granted. Don't take for granted that you have the health and well-being and ability to be here tonight. My dearly beloved. 
Paul says, um, you got to stand fast. I want to exhort us tonight, Southwest Baptist Church, we've got to stand fast in these days. Stand fast. Why? Well, the Lord deserves it, number one. He deserves it. The sake of the ministry, we've got to stand fast. You listen to me tonight. We've got to stand fast. The ministry depends on us standing fast. I realize it depends on God. It's like, it's like what Brother Trevin preached. We've got to ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. But there's also a human responsibility in the midst of all this that, that we would make the choice, God, I need your help and I want to stand fast. I want to say to, to us as a church, we've got to stand fast because even others are looking at this church as an example. We've got to stand fast. Those of you of the older generation, you've got to stand fast because there's some young people coming up here that need your example. And those of you that are, that are growing up here at Southwest, listen, now's the time. Are you listening to me, young couples? Are you listening to me, young, young, young men and young ladies, uh, young parents? There's a generation that's gone beyond you that they've stood fast. And they've been sacrificially involved in faith promise missions giving and, and teaching Sunday school classes and working bus routes. But, but listen, listen very clearly here. If we're going to stand fast as a church, it's now your generation. It's your generation that needs to stand fast in the Lord. Be ashamed for this church to be lost on your generation. Stand fast in the Lord. T take... Take your church membership seriously. Amen. This is not the why. This is not, this is not a gym. This is not like, well, I, I paid for January, but I'm not going back. I'm talking about the gym. Don't, don't treat this like the why. Well, it doesn't matter if I go or not. It matters. It matters. It matters to your spiritual life. It matters to the people that are around you. And li listen tonight, I I'm, I'm just going to share some of my heart here in the midst of some pre preaching furies, perhaps. But, but some of it's just my heart to say this, that, that listen, if, if, you, if you begin to slack off on church attendance, it's not good for you spiritually. And it's not good for your church family because it says, you know, church isn't really important. Now you're here tonight, I realize that, and I'm preaching to the Wednesday night crowd, but, but unfaithfulness starts somewhere. And it was probably pretty tough for you to get here tonight. Maybe you just barely got here. And maybe you're not all here. But you're here tonight, and you matter. And what's going on here tonight matters, and that means that we need to be steadfast. Steadfast. Take your church membership seriously. Have a right testimony before others. You represent the Lord and you represent Southwest Baptist Church. And really in that order, you represent the Lord and you represent the Lord Jesus Christ and you represent his church. Okay. Be faithful. And I'm not just saying this to the college students, but I am saying it to the college students. This college night will make a little bit of application right here. Be faithful to your ministries. Don't make somebody have to come chase you down. If you're supposed to, if you're signed up to be in the nursery, you're signed up to be in children's church, or you're signed up to be a Sunday school helper, then by all means, listen, be there. If you're a Sunday school teacher, be there. Don't let somebody, don't let a department leader show up and wonder where in the world are they? Be steadfast. 
Be steadfast. It's important that we would be in our place because if you think, oh, there's a bunch of other workers there. There's a bunch of other helpers there. They won't miss me. I guarantee you this, the person that's filling in for you, they're going to miss you. And that might, that might lend itself to need for application of the second part of this message tonight about restored unity. Okay. Well, that was real smooth, wasn't it? Hey, I, I'm just simply saying, um, and I'm not, I'm not saying it because we've got a big problem, but I do know from department leaders, sometimes people don't screw up to do what they're supposed to do. And sometimes it's for weeks. And, and I understand following up on absentees, you know, that are children, but to follow up on absentees that are workers. And, and some of you workers and you're here for Bible college and, and you're here to be trained in ministry and you can't even show up for, for visitation. In fact, some can't even show up evidently for church. What, what kind of standing fast is that? Well, that's standing fast, but you're standing fast in your own ways. And you're not being moved and you need to let the Spirit of God move you to faithfulness. I realize I may be preaching to the choir here tonight, but hopefully somebody will catch hold of this and say, you know what? He's right about that because it's in God's word. We need to be steadfast. Okay. Paul also included a whole section on church unity. Steadfast and unified. Steadfast and united. However you want to mention that. I mean, there's synonyms, but look at verse number two. I beseech you, Odeus and Syntyche. After numerous references to unity, I, I mean, uh, again, I, I read a little bit after John Phillips. He's rather helpful. I hadn't used him along the way, but I did this time. I'm glad that I did it because he said, you know, just imagine this. Epaphroditus is the reader of the letter. He carried it and he read it. Epaphroditus comes to the pulpit, breaks the seal, <laughs> begins to read the letter. And he began to read Paul and Timotheus, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. So may, maybe even early on, there's a plea for some church unity there. And keep reading, and, and everybody in the church knows Euodius and Syntyche, they're not getting along right now. And here's Paul, or you, uh, Epaphroditus, reading. Stand fast, one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Let each prefer one another more than themselves. And he begins to read it. And I just wonder if people in the church were looking over it. <laughs> you odious. And then looking over at syndicate. You know they're not sitting together. Oh, no, they're on opposite sides of the church. You know, hadn't talked in weeks. I beseech, and, and then, and then, and then Euodius, I mean Epaphroditus rather, Epaphroditus gets down to the part, I beseech Euodius and Syntyche. <laughs> Woo! Right there I guarantee every eye looked over to see what's her response and then looked over to see what's her response and she's all red and she's all mad and I mean to tell you, man, it, maybe it was on right there and I guarantee Epaphroditus just kept reading. <laughs> Rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> he got to verse four. <laughs> I don't know exactly what it was like, but I, I know that Paul cared enough. And by the way, he, he wasn't inappropriately doing this. He cared so much about him that he dealt with it directly. 
And he dealt with it this way because it also had become a public matter. I think if it had been isolated and the church wasn't aware of it, probably Paul would have dealt with it in a more isolated way. Or he could have said to Epaphroditus, hey, pull those, these ladies aside and talk to them about this. But evidently the whole church knew about it. And listen to this, it was evidently affecting the church in some way. Listen, I don't think that it was a major deal at this point because otherwise I think Paul probably would have cleared off the spot like he did in the book of Galatians and just dealt with it right then in chapter number one. I don't think it was a, a matter of uh, doctrine because if it had been a matter of doctrine, Paul probably would have dealt with that specifically. We don't know what it was about. We do know this. They both are saved. Their names are in the book of life. We also know this. In fact, Paul goes out of his way to say, listen, I know this, this doesn't characterize them because they were a blessing to me. They were a help to me. Did you read that? They labored together with me in the work of the gospel. It might have even been in some facet of the ministry that they kind of got sideways with one another. She had an opinion about this and she saw it differently than that. And they had some words over it. Next thing you know, then there's this big rift or at least even a small rift. And so now they're not spending time together like they used to. And, and so then she's talking to her friends about it and she's talking about it, her friends about it. By the way, this is not just a female problem. This is not just a female problem because just like women maybe fight in the kitchen or fight in the nursery, men fight in the garage and fight on the basketball court. Huh? So this is not just, you say, well, I'll tell you where all the problems of schisms and problems in the church come. It's them women folk. Mm -mm. Now there's some pastors that start fighting against some other pastors and there's strife on a church staff or strife among the officers of a church or strife among the men. And it's not just those gossiping women, it's them gossiping men too. Just thought I'd throw that in there. And I, I don't know that Euodius and Syntyche, I, I don't see any indication here that they were in some kind of a position of leadership. In fact, I know for sure they're not pastoring and they're not deacons because God's word never validates that. And Paul would never give any validity to it if they rose to the occasion of being some kind of a, of a, of a leader like that. No, maybe they had rule over some ladies' ministries, over some children's ministries. Maybe one of them was overseeing the nursery. I don't know if they had a nursery, but they were overseeing some kind of ministry. In other words, I'm just simply saying this. They had a, even though they did not have a position, they had influence. I want to say to every lady that is here tonight, you may not, you, well, you won't get to be pastor. Sorry. <laughs> you won't get to be a deacon. Sorry. I don't think there's not any that I know of that's aspiring to that position. And, but, but here's what I wanted, actually wanted to say was this. You may, you may feel like what you're doing here is not significant because you're involved in this or that and it doesn't seem like a very significant role. Hey, I'm here to tell you, friend, listen, you don't have to have a position to have influence and that could either be influence for good or that could be this influence of negativity. And I'm looking around tonight and I want to thank God tonight because there are ladies that are here that are faithfully working in the nursery, faithfully working in a Sunday school class, faithfully teaching, faithfully visiting, faithfully just doing what, what God has given you to do and greeting and, and working a bus route. And, and we've got ladies that are in, in very significant positions in many of these areas. And here's what I love is that God is using them and there's a great spirit here. But I, I tell you what could happen, just one little word or one lack of a word or one look or one little problem that could rise up between two women or two men or two families. And the next thing you know, there's a totally different spirit here. And that could affect the church. And here's Paul's point. 
I beseech and I beseech. In other words, you're, you're saying it right there. I'm not taking sides on this. There's some really good insights in this chapter. I'm not getting my dog in that fight. I'm not taking your side. I'm not taking your side. I beseech you and I beseech you. Work this out. He didn't even use his uh, uh, apostolic uh, commands. He didn't say, I, I command you to work this out or I'm coming to town. No, he just said this. He, he, I believe he believed that those ladies ultimately love the Lord. And if, here, here's the key. In fact, if you look again at verse number two, be of the same mind where? In the Lord. If you get your eyes back on the Lord, Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, that'll solve your problems. Some say, well, maybe it's just a, a personal issue between them. We don't know. Maybe it was a church issue. We don't know. But here's what I do know. Jesus Christ and a focus on him can solve any problem that anybody's got. Yeah. And then he said, uh, 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 my true yoke fellow, verse three. Now there's all kinds of talk about who's that. My true yoke fellow. Was it, was it Luke? Was it Barnabas? Who was it? We don't know. But they knew, Paul knew. And Yodas and Syntyche knew that's all that really matters. But here's what, here's what they needed. They needed somebody to help them through that. And, and he said to them, he said, his true yoke fellow, he said, now listen, keep in mind, these ladies are faithful ladies. They've been serving in the gospel and they worked with Clement. And, is that his name? Clement. And they also work with all the other fellow laborers and their names are in the book of life. They're just having some problems on earth. So get this worked out. You know why? Because the extent of you working this out determines the extent to which the gospel goes further. Because this strife, the strife is ultimately going to affect the church and the gospel won't go further because the church has turned inward. So you need to work this out. I wonder if, I wonder if um, disharmony and a lack of unity is isolated to the first century church. Some caught the sarcasm. It's not. Southwest Baptist Church is bound to have problems. You know why? Because we're here. There's probably going to be problems. There have been problems. I've been pastor here long enough to know there's problems. There's problems between choir members. Don't get nervous tonight. I'm in my application section and I'm getting specific, but I'm not going to name everybody's name. There's been problems between choir members. There's been problems between bus workers. There's been problems between Sunday school teachers and Sunday school workers. There's been problems between the older generation and the younger generation. There's been problems between Heartland students and non-Heartland students. There's been problems between, uh, let's see, what else? Children's church ministry workers. There's been problems. You say, man, why do you want to be a part of that? Well, because we're saved, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and He helps us to work these things out. So... Church staff should get along for the sake of the gospel. The church staff and the secretary should get along 
for the sake of the gospel. All the secretaries should get along for the sake of the gospel. All the nursery workers should get along for the sake of the gospel. Brother Ted and Brother Aaron should get along for the sake of the gospel. I mentioned their names specifically just because I know they're all right as far as I know. <laughs> hey, I, honestly, I'm glad to be in a church where I don't know of some major issue that's about to split this church wide open. But we've got to do our part to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And really, it boils down to this. We just need to love one another God's way. Being steadfast and being unified because that determines the extent of the gospel reaching others. There's families in this city that desperately need us to get along together. Hang on, hang on. There are missionaries on the foreign field that depend on us being steadfast and being unified. It'd be a shame for some of the missionaries to have to come off the field because this church and other churches like it got to a place where they weren't even getting along well enough to where they could have support. So I, I exhort everyone here tonight to search your heart. I know there's been times when there's been even siblings. I've been talking about blood siblings not getting along right here in the same church family. That's, that's not right. When in-laws haven't got along. In-laws can get along in Christ. You, 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 we've got in-laws here with, and both of them have a married uh, child here. This can work out all right. Isn't that right? Amen. Again, I'm not preaching with any major problem here. I'm just simply saying, trying to say what Paul said. Uh, this is so important that there ought not be anybody here that you haven't talked to in a month or a year or five years because in your mind you registered. Yeah, their name's, on the, on the, their name's in the book of life, but they're also on my registry that I'm not, I'm not going to try again. Well, you're disrupting the harmony here. Is that right? It is right, isn't it? It's disrupting the harmony, the unity. And so that needs to be worked out. So do, is there anybody here that when you see them coming, you, you turn and look and try to go another way? That's the person right now that you need to work this out with. You say, I've, I've tried and they are so, what are you? So somebody said this, said that the road to disharmony is never a one-way street. Two people got there. Yeah. So you've got some measure of involvement in this. And so I, I just want to take the word tonight, lay it out here before you, to say, listen, even if it's you and your spouse or you and your kids, I mean, there's so many multiple relationships here, I can't possibly name them all, you get the idea. But if there's any relationship here tonight, that is in some way or some measure strained for the sake of the gospel with the help of the Holy Spirit, would you work that out? I'm going to end on a positive note. There are families here tonight, and I'm not going to point them out, but they had some strife, but now they've worked it out and they're doing great. They're sitting together in the pews. It's awesome. They're working together in the ministry. I could give you example after example after example. I've experienced it myself. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. If we're going to stand before the Lord someday, then shouldn't we be able to sit together in the pews and pray together at the altar and serve together in the ministry? May God help us do that. Let's stand together here tonight. <clears throat>
could be one of those invitations where you'd be a little bit hesitant to go to the altar because you think, what would others think? Well, listen, don't let that hold you back from, from um, being right with the Lord. And for the sake of the gospel, let's, let's think bigger than ourselves. Let's think big here. Could be there's some strife on campus. I don't know. This college night, I'm trying to make some application along the way. Maybe you're not getting along with somebody. <clears throat> Maybe even somebody back home. Maybe even the person that is hindering your spiritual growth and development in life is not even somebody that's a member of this church. But don't, you shouldn't let that hold you back from serving Christ. You ought to get things right on your side. Again, I realize you, you can't control other people's driving, but you can make sure that you're driving right and doing right. I go back to Brother Trevin's message out of the book of Luke. We need the help of the Holy Spirit here. And you may need to come over and over again with importunity to say, Dear God, I can't do this in my own power. It's in the Lord. I, I've got to have your help. He won't give you a stone. He won't give you a scorpion. He'll give you the Holy Spirit to help you. Amen. And so, Father, I pray. I, I know that um, this is a struggle for all of us in our flesh. And, and uh, Lord, I've had to do some repenting even today and in my thoughts and words and actions. So I, I thank you that you apply this to each of us. And help us tonight, dear Lord, we want to be a steadfast church that's unified for the sake of the gospel, I pray in Jesus' name.